words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. And this morning we're going to talk about transfiguration. Transfiguration. So let's stand up together and let's read these two scriptures. Let's stand, let's honor the word. Let's just read it out. Stretch your legs. Maybe it's also time for exercise a little bit. Yeah. So let's read together. One, two, go. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased hear him and when the disciples heard it they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid because jesus came and touched them and said arise and do not be afraid and when they had lifted up their eyes they saw no one but jesus only father bless your word Bless the entrance of your word. Grant that our hearts are fertile grounds for your word to be planted, O oh God. Expand our mind today by your word. Show us things that we've never seen before. Even if we've read this scripture a thousand times, take us on a pathway that is showing that you're unlocking to us the mysteries that we need to know to survive in this wild world right now. Thank you, Lord God. Bless your word. Bless me, O oh God. God also. Bless me also that I will not just speak and be a castaway. Have mercy on me also that I will not declare these things and not participate in them, oh God. Bless me also, oh God, as you bless every one of your sons and your daughters. Let your word come with liberating power, with chain-breaking power, with mind-changing power that everyone here will look at the compass of your word and them not being forgetful hearers will be blessed by your word in the name of Jesus and all God's people say amen. 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 Good morning. You may be seated. So this morning we're going to talk about three ministries. The Moses, the ministry of Moses, Elijah and Jesus because these three people showed up with Jesus Christ in the mountain of transfiguration. Sometimes when you hear a word like transfiguration, transfiguration, the trans we know right now is only trans rights and, you know, transgender. <laughs> we don't know any transfiguration, like, or the significance of anything called trans. You understand? But that's a word that actually talked about the changing of the figure of Christ. Transfiguration. So, there's a word coined from the church sometimes. But, you know, the Bible puts it that he was transfigured. His figure was changed before their eyes. His nature was changed. Like Jesus who they knew became another Jesus. So think about this. This is like God poured some of the glory of eternity into Jesus Christ physically on earth. So like, and that's what we actually all pray for and wait for. That some of the glory of God will be seen physically in us. As some of the, this thing we read about in the Bible, we will taste it. That this thing we hear about in God, we will feel it by ourselves and touch it and know it by ourselves. That God is real. That's what we pray for. That's what we anticipate. We are praying to be transfigured. To be altered. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm actually constantly waiting for the glory of God, for the presence of God, for the help of God, for the entrance of eternity into my natural. I'm always waiting for God to fall upon me and do something that I cannot do by myself. I'm, I'm always anticipating that God will move in my life. There are some people who believe that God is done moving. Well, good luck to you. 
I don't know how people survive when they think like God is done moving. Honestly, guys, there is more realms in God. There are more vistas in God. There are more plateaus to climb onto. There are more mountains to ascend onto in God. And those who are daring enough, pressing for new heights in God. Let's start with Moses. I had actually shared this in a microcosm to the people who, uh, who I pray with. Like I have a prayer. I'm, I'm trying to form a Moses, uh, Elijah and Jesus company, or maybe Peter, James, and John company. You know, Peter, James, and John went with Jesus to the mountain. So Jesus had the three. And then Jesus had the 12. You know, I know many pastors use this as a way for discrimination. To say, you're not in my 12, so you're in the 70. But that's not the point. The point was that whenever there was heavy lifting, there will just be some people around who can help you lift heavy weights. Have your three. Have your three. And let your three be powerful. Have your three. Let them be powerful. You understand? Let them be strong. Don't have three that are always flip-flopping. You know. I know pastors have used this to say that we shouldn't fly. Uh, eagles don't fly with chickens. That's not what I mean. Please, if you're three, maybe a chicken, make them an eagle. Because we have the power of transformation. Walk with people until they become something. Don't look down on people in their days of little beginnings. The Bible says who have despised the days of small beginnings. Even if the person seems like a chicken now, who will make them an eagle apart from another eagle? And guess what? We are looking for the change which God brings. So we believe that people change. We don't dump people because they are not good enough for us. No, we don't. We tarry. We labor until those people journey. Maybe God has planted one in your three that may not be an ego. The two of you may be egos, but one of you may be a chicken. Try and make that chicken an ego. Ask someone, are you a chicken? <laughs> <laughs> so if you're online you don't know what we're talking about right yeah so let's start from Moses Exodus chapter 20 there's a lot of scriptures today so please be ready if you have a biro maybe you should write them down these scriptures so you can go back and unpack them because I'm going to move really quick when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. Don't be afraid, Moses answered them, for God has come in this way to test you, so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. As the people, but the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. Now, here is Moses. God called him. God called this man Moses to lead his people. And his assignment was to raise a nation of priests. We see it in Exodus 19, Exodus 20. Moses raised for me a nation of priests. Make a people who love me. So that all the other nations will like to be like them. Create a model nation on the earth. Take my people who have been oppressed for 430 years out to a mountain where they will worship me. And let people see what it's like when God is in a nation. Let the whole other nations of the world see what it's like. And there were times when the people of the nations of the earth began to fear the children of Israel. Why? Why? Why do you think they were fearing them? How many of you know why? Anybody knows why? Why were nations afraid of the Israelites? God was with them. They saw what happened to Og, king of, king of uh, Sihon. They, they saw what happened to all the other kings. That whenever they came into a territory, war broke out and they won the war. They heard what happened on Mount Perazim when God rained hailstones upon the enemies of God. So as a result, nobody wanted to come near them. People were afraid of them. 
But God's purpose for Moses was not just about people fearing them. What was God's purpose? God's purpose was what? Raise a nation for me. The aftermath is that other people were afraid of them. But God's purpose was different. Raise me a nation of priests. Raise me a model nation. Raise me a people. Bring them to the mountain to worship me. And on the day when Moses brought the people to the mountain, what happened? The people heard the thunder. You saw that scripture. When the people heard the thunder and the blast of the lightning, they ran off and said, Moses, no. We're going to die. We're going to die. Don't let God speak to us. Moses, you talk to us. We hear you. And sometimes when Moses came down, guess what they did? They made, uh, they made a veil. Notice uh, Al-Qaeda veil, the one where the only eyes open and covered Moses' face because his face was shining with glory. Was this not the desire of God that not only Moses will have glory, but every one of them will have glory? But guess what they did? They covered Moses. That anyone in our church who begins to re reveal glory, we say, ah, is he only you? Anyone who begins to worship a lot, he said, I beg you, today cry. Anyone who begins to pray a lot will begin to push the person aside. No, it's not only for that person to have the glory. You too should have the glory. You too should have the power. God wanted a nation of priests. But guess what the children of Israel reduced it to? They reduced it to a relationship. Next slide. Reduced it to a relationship where Moses was all about safety. And from Moses to Joshua and the judges, it was always about what they could get out of God. It was always about what they could get out of God. In the judges, they would go and worship Baal. And when Baal showed them pepper, because God is light. And when you stand in God, you stand in light. You stand in protection. You stand in safety. You stand in power. When you move away from God, you step into darkness. And darkness begins to happen to you. The first thing that happens to you, you lose your confidence. Next thing that happens to you, mental health challenges begins to fall. Next thing that happens to you, depression. Next thing that happens to you, darkness begins to follow you. Because God is light. And those who dwell in him stay in the light. But those who walk away from him enter into darkness. Not because God cursed you, but because he is light. And stepping away from him means that you are stepping into darkness because there's no demilitarized zone. You're either in God in the light or you are in the darkness. No matter how bright it looks. So Moses became a mark for when a man who knew God and all his followers, none of them knew God. Do you guys understand? Moses knew God, but none of his followers knew God. All they wanted was the things that God will do. So there will be time. They will worship idols. Moses will come. Then they will come back to God. The Midianites will oppress them. Then they will, get, they will get, oh, they will repent and say, oh, there was a time when God used to take care of us and they will come back to God. That's, that's the relationship they had with God all through Moses. It was God's desire. Say a nation of priests. Say it again, a nation of priests. God's desire was a nation of priests, but the people constantly only wanted a parasitic relationship with God. So, we move to Elijah. Elijah, remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant. No. Sorry. Next slide. John replied in the words of prophesy, I'm a, I'm a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees who had been sent to ask him, if you are not the Messiah or Elijah the prophet, why, what right do you have to baptize? John said to them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I am not even worthy to be his slave or untie the straps of his sandals. Someone is coming. Remember, the Old Testament ends in Malachi. And it says, Behold, I send you Elijah. 
He will prepare the way before me. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And John came and began to say, Prepare the way for the Lord. Every mountain shall be filled, shall be brought low. Every hill. So the Elijah ministry is not a man. It's a ministry of confrontation. The Elijah ministry is not a man's ministry. It's a ministry of what? Confrontation against the prophets of Baal. It's the ministry that challenges. It's the ministry that puts down everything that does not align to God. And some people have Elijah ministries right now. How many of you know some Elijah ministers around? So this Elijah ministry is not a person. So John came in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. To say, just like Elijah said to the prophets of Baal. If God be God, let's serve him. If Baal be Baal, let's serve him. There is a confrontation ministry being released from the heavens against the works of darkness. There is a ministry being released on the kingdom of God against lethargy in the church. There's a ministry that's being released against the adulteration of Christianity. And person worship, God is releasing fire against them. And those ministry is the ministry of John. Here's how John does it. Number one, confront and destroy Baal. Number two, call down fire. Number three, bring repentance. Number four, challenge the religious order. Number five, become a forerunner of what's coming. These are the John, this is the Elijah ministry. This is the Elijah ministry. This is the Elijah ministry. Confront and destroy. Confront and destroy. Confront and destroy Baal. Call down fire. So John was a hard cutter. Can you imagine? John's dad was a priest. He wore the linen effort. Every day the man wore like a tunic, like a dress, like this Roman Catholic priest. That's how John's father was, Zachariah. And then John's father was very royal and regal. And he was chosen as one of the best priests to go into the temple to go and offer offering. He, wore, he carried the 12 tribes of Israel on in his linen effort. He was a high priest. And a high priest was the topmost person in the Jewish hierarchy because they were not even ruling themselves. Among the Jews, the high priests were the ones who led the people. And the Romans just did political leadership. But the high priest actually led the people. They had honor among the people. So John's dad was a high priest. Then think about his son. His son, John, was a rascally guy. He went out and left the cushiness of the temple and the high position and went to the wilderness of Jordan. He was by the waterfront of Jordan. And there, because there are no clothes there, he had to make do with whatever he found. He found a goat and killed the goat and used the sheep the skin of the goat to make a, a wrapper for himself. And then people think like John always loved to eat locusts and wild honey. No. That was all that was available in the wilderness where he was. So he made do with whatever food that was available there. And then he found honey. Oh, I love honey. You know, I used to, when I was in secondary school, I used to go honey hunting in the night. You know, when trees fall, the branch that comes out, that hollow in the tree in the forest, that's where honey, that's where bees go to gather. And then the, from the pollings of the bees and from the, from the droppings of the tree, of the bees, honey is made in the hollow of the tree. So when you come, you burn the outer part with the fire so that all the honey, all the bees go off and then you put your hand inside and bring honey with honeycomb. Oh, you guys are used to honey farming, right? So you're not used to this natural way where honey grows. It's a natural way. Only farmers will know. Yeah? Because John was in the desert. All he could found, find that would be sweet was honey. So when we read that he ate locusts and wild honey, it means that he actually set his determination in the wilderness. That regardless of what he found, he was a survivor. 
and he began to preach. His message was really rough. He said, your dad is a snake. Your mother is a snake. Your grandfather is a snake. All of you guys, you're a village of snakes. His message was not nice. When people gather to him and come, he say, why are you coming? <laughs> why are you coming? Don't say you're children of Abraham. Bring forth fruits for meat for repentance. For God is able to raise children from Abraham from trees. Right now, the axe is at the root of every tree. And every tree that doesn't bear good fruit, God will cut it off. That's the kind of message he preached. That the Bible says, while the religious order could do nothing, while the church could do nothing, John's, anyone who gathered onto John was caught to the heart. Was caught to the heart. They were caught to the heart and they journeyed towards God. And they said to him, Sir, what must we do? And he said to them, Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. This is the ministry of Elijah. Just like Elijah confronted, that's how John also confronted. There's a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in Jordan, confessing their sins. He may not be in the temple, but he is a bringer of righteousness. His church may not look like the right church, but he causes people's hearts to cut. His atmosphere may not look like the right atmosphere, but this was the ministry that God was ordaining at this time. To, to turn the hearts of people back to God. To turn the hearts of people back to God. To turn the hearts of people back to God. To turn the hearts of people back to God. John's ministry is a reconciliation ministry. It's the ministry that turns people's hearts back to God. Of what use is your performance if at the end of the day nobody changes? Of what use is your church attendance if at the end of the day you just acquire theology? Of what use is everything going to church if you go to church and you come back more hurt, more angry, more defeated by going to church? Let your heart change. Let there be a journey. That is actually the ministry of John. John was truly a voice crying in the wilderness. One of the mark of John's ministry was burning hearts. Burning hearts. People who were ready to start again with God. People who were not like the religious order. People who were interested in ending the old order. Are you interested in ending the old order? From time to time, I try to wear a suit so people not think I'm totally crazy. Yeah? Like I wore a suit today. Normally, you... This suit, I last wore it on crossover service in 2019 to 2020, right? I've gone mad. You understand? I don't want to, I don't want to preach for the gallery. I don't want to preach nice message that everyone will say, oh, wow, let's bring our friends. No. Now, does it change you? Does anything move differently in your heart? Does your heart want God at the end of the message? Do you cry out for righteousness at the end of the day? Do you, do you long for holiness after you've heard it? Do you want God now? Do you want to journey with God now? Do you want, to, you want to bury the man of sin and wake up a man of righteousness? Do you want to journey with God at the end of the day? You want to start clean with God because you heard the word. This was the ministry of John. Many people stay in the ministry of Moses. Asking God for things. Following after God for things and you're Needs are valid, but much more. What about your heart? What has changed in your heart? What has altered in you? This is the ministry of John. So here's the, here's the matrix of the ministry of John. God says to them, bring down, raise, fill up every valley. Valley refers to inferiority. The way in which you feel unable to rise up and do God's will, that's a valley. If you feel like you're unable to serve God, 
if you feel like you're unqualified for ministry, that's a valley. God is calling you and asking you to stand up and do something for him, but you don't feel like you can do it. That's a valley. So God says, fill up every valley. Mountain or hill refers to superiority complex. The people who feel like they are second Jesus Christ, who have some suggestions for God about how God will do his ministry, says, bring it down. Bring down your mountains. And then, crooked parts. Okay, I explained crooked and rough differently. Crooked is actually kurukuru, like the person who is crooked. You know your ways are not pure. Your ways are crooked. You personally crooked. But rough is actually about upbringing. You know how some people have rough upbringing? Do you understand? So rough upbringing is different from being crooked. Crooked is actually that your ways are crooked. Rough means, and God says, the crooked part will be made smooth. The rough places will be made smooth and the crooked parts will be made straight. Then on the highway, will be open for the Lord. Say amen. This is the ministry of the baptizer, to open a highway for the Lord. To open a highway for the Lord. I open up my heart to you. I open up my heart to you now. You can Jesus, have your way in me now. I open up my heart to you. I open up my heart to you now. But only you can. Jesus, have your way in me now cause all I want is to live within your love be undone by who you are desire is to know you deeper Lord I will open up again Throw my fears into the wind. I am desperate for a touch of him. Oh. The call is for us to open up, open up a highway for the Lord. Open up a highway. And then came Jesus Christ with the ministry and the power of transformation. And people think that what Jesus came for is for illiteracy, to end illiteracy and insecurity in the country. People think what Jesus came for is the lack of infrastructure. People came who think what Jesus came for is to end the Roman political class. People think what Jesus came for is, the, is, is, to, is, to, is to help men get their ego back and to help feminists to get their, their strategy back. And if you're not a feminist, we all must be feminists. Now, one of the things you must know is that feminism started in the church. I, showed it, I shared with the people who came for the marriage preparation course yesterday. 200 women gathered in 1848. That was the first meeting for feminism. It was started in the church. It was a birth in the atmosphere of God. God wanted his daughters to be set free. Women were not allowed to vote. Women were not allowed to drive. Women were not allowed to do this. Feminism started in the church. But that was the first wave. The second wave of feminism. Third wave of feminism. Fourth wave of feminism. By fourth wave of feminism, what feminism was talking about was trans Transfeminism, where women who are transition, men who are transitioned to become women also thought they were feminists and their rights had to be guaranteed by feminism. So what started out as pure to include sisters has now become something that disempowers women. Because right now it's a big debate in America whether women should do, whether trans women should do women's sports. No more girls winning 
You can't win any 100 meters dash. It's boys who have transitioned to become girls that are now winning 100 meters, you know, obviously, for obvious reasons. A man's testosterone and ability level is different from a woman. God made us different. People think that Jesus came for this. Or male emasculation. The big thing about men fighting for their rights. Don't make a man lose his voice. Don't, don't cut a man down. And men are standing up and saying, like, fighting a war to defend the men's stuff. So women think that men are their problem. Men think that women are their problem. What does that tell you? <laughs> Did you guys understand this? The problem is sin. The problem is broken humanity. The problem is fallen man. That man made like God had become fallen. And women will continue to blame man thinking they can change the man. Oh, let the men become feminists and give us our rights. You think you can get your rights from a man? The man is broken. So Jesus came and said, I did not come because of the problem of the government of Rome. They tried to make him a little leader, a small leader. A man who will reign in Rome. A man who will overcome the Romans. They tried to make Jesus a local king. But Jesus denied that. I didn't come from the problem of Rome. That's not why I'm here. I'm not just here to liberate the Israelites from a temporary problem. I'm here for an eternal problem. I'm here to so say men and women of all ages, of all tribes, of all nations can hear the clarion, the bigger call in the spirit of my willingness, of my ability, of my capacity to alter the nature of all men. I came to bring change in the hearts of people. I came to pay the sacrifice of sin. I came to pay so that men and women who are lost will no more be lost. I came to pay the price of sin so the sin nature will be destroyed. So that character on the inside of a man that makes him to slap the woman he believes he was he's married, he pledged to her, he will marry her. That character in a man you think it's feminism that will get it out? Or the prince of peace? Or the prince of peace, the one who changes hearts, the one who pays the price. While John could only prophesy of the way, the way had come. While John could only tell of its coming time, the time had arrived. While John could only speak of the future, Truly, they were caught to the heart, but true change of heart arrived with Jesus Christ. Jesus became the real change of heart that all of humanity has been looking for. Before this time, there's no change of heart. Jesus is about changing hearts. Jesus is about changing hearts. Jesus came to change the heart of man. That man created in the image and the likeness of God has fallen. That this man created. So Jesus did not come to give us more money. Jesus did not come to give us more infrastructure. All of this will happen with a man who is righteous. But that's not the main thing. It's a byproduct of righteousness. So you'll find that some of the biggest icons we thought were leading development in the world. I've had Christians say to me like, Oh, wow. Why is it that Christians are not the richest man in the world? So can I call names? Can I call names today? Can I be a little John Baptist? Somebody said no. So I should say somebody. Okay, I will not call the name. Okay. But there's a man who is said to be the richest man in Nigeria. And I didn't call his name. Okay. So, all of a sudden we're finding out that he has a scandal with a woman in the United States who wanted to, who wanted to, blackmail him then he outed her right and he's written all over u.s media the richest man in nigeria has an affair with this harlot right and he is the biggest giver to charity his foundation is the biggest giver in nigeria to charity so you see that he has a wife has a family but that's not enough 
One of the richest men in the world, I didn't call his name, one of the richest men in the world, who decided to end yellow fever, malaria, HIV, AIDS. And people will ask me, Pastor Mo, why is it not Christians who are giving the most? And I agree, Christians should give the most. But all of a sudden in East Africa, people are finding out that they, some of the ideas were designed to make the country poorer. In India, he's not allowed to go there because some of the vaccines, some of the stuff they did was against the Indian people. All of a sudden, people are reading ulterior motives. And then all of a sudden, we hear he's divorced. And not just that he divorced, he had a standing agreement with his wife that they will have an open relationship and that he will have a mistress that he goes on vacation with every year. So what looks perfect is not so perfect after all. That's why I keep saying, a broken man cannot fix the world. A fallen man cannot fix the world. Show me the man who is yielded to God. That man can change the world. Show me a woman who is even struggling but running back to God. That woman can change the world. Show me a guy who is even falling and rising but knows that God is at the center. That man can change the world. Anyone who has the ears of eternity can change the world. You can contribute whatever you are, but guess what? All of this cannot change humanity. When every child goes to school, I keep saying this and I'll say it again. When every child goes to school in the world, when we all have a car, a Bentley, a Rolls Royce, a proper car packed by our front porch. When we all have a yacht to go out to a Lache beach, when we all have beach houses, when we all have money, a million dollars each in our bank account, when the road from Lagos to Abuja will take you only four hours to drive because of how wide and how cool it is, Nigeria will still be hopeless and in desperate need for God. Nothing in all the earth can solve the problem of sin. We've seen it that in some of the best economies in the world, depression is at the highest. Meaninglessness is at the highest. The third highest killer in the UK, in the UK is suicide of young men and women. Apart from cancer and one other thing, the third highest killer is suicide. People lose meaning. Mankind, when you have it all, you're still fallen. That's why Jesus must come. When Jesus comes, the first thing he wants to give you back is your identity. When Jesus comes, he wants to impute back who you really are. He wants to tell you who you are. Who are you? As he is, so are you in this world. As he is in heaven, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may, be, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Love is perfected in this, that when we see Jesus, we'll be like him. As he is a redeemer, so are we. As he is a savior, so are we. As he is strong, so are we in this world. Amen. The next thing Jesus came to do is to tackle the sin problem. I said this. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not, in, not counting people's sins against them. But he gave them this wonderful message of the reconciliation. The second ministry of Christ is reconciliation. First is identity. Number two, reconciling. First thing Jesus will do is to change who you think you are. You say, I'm Pastor Fred, I'm a man. He says, no, you are the son of God. Say so you're joint hands with Christ. He says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He says I've given you all authority and power. Well, I'm going to jump ahead of all my, all my messages. But that's actually what he says you are. That's what he says you are. But all you can see is just your humanity. Number two, tackling the sin problem. Number three, the revelation of Christ. That you will know him. 
that you will understand who he is. Your life is a journey you must travel with a deep consciousness of God. It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead and empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished sacrificial lamb. And this was no afterthought. Even though it has only lately at the end of the ages become public knowledge. Revelation. Jesus came so that you can know. Before this time, none of us could know God. The Bible says the children of Israel knew the acts of God. Moses knew the ways of God. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit is come, he will teach you of me. Everything about this end time is about knowing God. It's about knowing him. Do you know the Lord? As someone, do you know the Lord? As someone, do you know the Lord? Do you know him? Do you recognize him? Do you know when he comes into the room? Do you know when he comes to an atmosphere of worship? Some of you just stand up and walk out anytime. There's a time when the Holy Spirit is in the room. Do you recognize that he's there? Can you tell when God is there? Can you tell? Can you recognize his voice? Can you recognize him when he speaks to you in the watches of the night? Can you tell the difference between the voice of your mind and the voice of God? Do you know him? Jesus came to make us know God. God wants us to have a deep consciousness of himself. Deep consciousness. Say it in your heart, I want to know you. Say it again, I want to know you. Say it again, I want to know you. 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 Let me know you, my God. Let me know you, my King. I want to know you. Let your spirit overwhelm me. Let your spirit overtake my heart. I want to know you. You can have it all, Lord. Every part of my world. Take this heart and breathe on this heart that is now yours. I'm not preaching a message. I just want you to inhale God this morning. Breathe him in. The Holy Spirit of God is here. Presence of God is around. Jesus came to bring a revelation of who God is. Deep consciousness of God. This service will be okay if all you have is a deep consciousness of God. The revelation of Christ. Revelation of Christ. Hallelujah. The fourth thing God came, Jesus came to do is to give us power and authority. Behold, I have given you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses and nothing shall in any way harm you. I came to give you power. I came to give you power. Say amen. I came to give you power. It's good to see you. You have the power. You have the power. People have gone through stuff this week, these last two weeks, but power and authority to walk through stroke and come back and be seated in church. You have power. To go through what you came through and came back to, to life, you have the power. God is working miracles right here. We have the power. Pastor Fred had a situation at work yesterday. His staff totally flat out. God brought him back to life. The doctor said, this thing that has happened is not medicine. We have the power that when we call upon God, he hears us. 
we will bring the dead to life. We have power and authority. When we walk with God, we can go to the realms of death. But Jesus came to establish us in power. This message is not a talking message only. It's a demonstration message. And anyone, any one of us will go home with burning hands. If you release yourself to the deep consciousness of who God is, all of a sudden your hands, your heart will begin to burn towards God. That this message is not just a performance message, but that you and Jesus, Jesus Christ can become united and the power of Christ will do awesome things in your life. The power of Christ will do awesome things in your life. The power of Christ is here. The power of Christ is here. Can I tell you something? God had something in mind for every one of us. God has something in mind for every one of us. What he has in mind is for us to, he wants to open a door somewhere for us to come into. And that's what transfiguration was all about. So on that certain day, God brought Moses and Elijah, the old ministries, and handed over the baton to Jesus Christ. It was like, then he now declared, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. What does that mean? Forget the Moses ministry. Forget the Elijah ministry. Look unto Jesus. These four things were the things he wanted to establish. The thing he wanted to establish most, the things he wanted to connect to most, was to bring us into a place. So, we are busy trying to fix the world, but we have no capacity to fix the world because we are not in him. So the devil drives us by fear, by other things to run around. But there's only one thing in the heart of God. That's for us to come in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Many of us remain in the ministry of Moses. What's that ministry? Falling away from God, running to idol worship, running to Baal as the ministry of Moses. Many of us remain in the place where everything is actually about my prayer request, my need. But guess what? When you enter in the ministry of Christ, you have power and authority. You become a reconciler. Everything that Christ does, you do. What are the four things again? Number one, power and authority. Number two, revelation. Number three, taking this, yeah? Okay, identity. Okay, I took it from the other way. So let's take it from the top again. Number one, identity. Number two, reconciliation. Number three, revelation. Number four, power and authority. These are the things that we are supposed to be about. Knowing who you are in Christ. Having a deep consciousness and awareness. A revelation of who he is. Becoming reconcilers. So many people are still in the ministry of John. Always, always crying out. But guess how you stop the ministry of John when people are born in God. When the people then become reconcilers. I used to be a John the Baptist minister until the Holy Spirit one day stopped me and said, your job is not to shout what people are doing wrong. Your job is to restore men and women. Your job is not to complain about the brokenness of, of men. That is John the Baptist ministry. I show you a better way. Come into the ministry of Christ. It's not bad. It's okay. We can manage it just calling out people's sins. But I don't know any one of you here if I come and say, you're a bad woman. You're a bad woman. Change. Whether that is very encouraging for you to change or whether I come to say and you have the power, the power of God is alive in you. The glory of God is working on the inside of you. Look unto me. What I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and do better. 
in the name of Jesus Christ, I give your power. Which one is superior? Let's be honest. So that's actually what God wants to establish. Move us from Moses' ministry, which is bread and butter. The children of Israel kept asking for cucumber, leek, and garlic. Every time God wants to give them destiny, God wants to make them a nation of priests, but guess they couldn't stop thinking about onion and cucumber and garlic. God wants to give them a nation. All they could stop thinking about, they couldn't stop thinking about what they wanted. God wants to give you power. God wants to give you himself. God wants to give you a ministry of reconciliation. But it's your heart and your eyes fastened to what you can get only out of God. And this is the limitation. This is transfiguration that you yourself is changed. This is transfiguration that you yourself become adjusted. This is transfiguration that you yourself become shifted into the image of Christ. This morning is an invitation into the ministry of Christ. Like Peter, James and John, they saw Jesus Christ lifted up. And he said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. There is a cry this hour for men and women who are going to step into the ministry of Christ. There's a cry this morning for people who are going to step into the ministry of reconcilers. Nigeria may be broken, but it doesn't need more broken men to go and do works of righteousness. Broken men cannot fix Nigeria. Have you seen? We send new brigades there. The new brigades are worse than the old. The problem is not the type of men we are sending. The problem is the hard condition of the men we are sending. It's not the age of the men. It's actually their wine skin. A broken man is a broken man. Whether he's 20 or whether he's 40 or whether he's 80, he's still a broken man. He cannot fix the nation. What God is looking for is wine skin. What Jesus came to change is the wine skin. He came to change the fabric of your heart. So you will rise up and become reconcilers. People sit in church for 20 years, but they never, never start the ministry of reconciliation. They stay in Moses. What is Moses? Moses, we want water. We'll strike the rock. Moses, give us cucumber. Moses, give us bread. Moses, we are tired of manna. Ah, our soul loathes manna. We hate it. See, Moses, we've done everything we can with manna. We ate manna bulgur, manna wafer, manna bread, manna pancakes, manna pando. Moses, the next time we see manna, we're going to choke. We hate it. Our soul loads this manna. One day, the women sat by the doorpost and they were telling their husband, what kind of wahala is this? Is it now grace in Egypt that you, that you are sending us, you are bringing us and our children to this place to come and destroy us in the wilderness? Now Moses will cry. They cried. They agonized. That night, there was a wailing in the camp. And God saw that these people were not interested in the mountain. You're not interested in Mount Moriah, Mount Sinai. They don't want. Give us garlic. They're asking for chicken. We're tired of manna. This was the food of angels. This food, flaky, amazing, nutritious. The food that makes people not to fall sick. Any sickness. There was never any sickness among their, their camp. None of them died of sickness. The only time they died was when they disobeyed God then God will allow a disease to come. The only time they died, but they kept complaining. The Moses ministry was a complaining ministry. God, you haven't done this for me. God, it's not fair. God, you are mean. Look at what you did last week. God, if I were you and you were me, I will give you all the money you need. Now Moses' ministry is a complaining ministry. One day they were crying so much. God sent, God sent chickens to the camp. Fried chicken. But you didn't read your Bible well. Honestly, it's quail, the Bible call it. And when he arrived, he flew to them. When he flew and they grabbed it in their hands, 
It became fried immediately. You just remove the wings and eat it. As the people were rejoicing, eating chicken, after they have not eaten chicken in a long time, God allowed the disease. God gave them what they wanted and followed away the disease. Can I tell you something? The ministry of Moses is not enough. Wanting things out of God is not enough. Come into the ministry of the reconciler. For he has called you and given you the ministry and the word of reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. You are a reconciler. Put your hand on your chest and say, I am a reconciler. I don't know whether all of you are getting me this morning. Put your hand on your chest and say, I am a reconciler. I am a restorer. Say, I walk in power and authority. Say, I have revelation. I can't hear you. Say, I am a reconciler. I walk in power and authority. Say, I have revelation of who I am. I have revelation. I have revelation. Let's pray this morning. Someone should make a new pledge. Say, God, I come in the ministry of Christ. I come in the ministry. I come past Moses. I come past Elijah. I come past John the Baptist. I come past loving to be radical. I want to be redemptive. I want to restore men. I want to reconcile the broken. I want to bring the lost sons back home. God, how many of your children are lost in the world? God, how many men are confused about who you are in the world? My God, my God, my God, make me a reconciler. Make me a raiser of men. Make me a rebuilder. Build me back, my God, into a place where your glory is available for me, oh God. Speak up, speak up, guys. Speak up, speak up. This is the time you speak up, pray out aloud. Say, Lord, I want to be a reconciler. Say it out aloud. God, I want to be a restorer. God, give me the power and the authority to rebuild men, to cast off disease, to cast off sickness, to cast off pain, to cast off brokenness, oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ. The, word, the Lord just gave me a word for someone here. It says, you say that preaching is out, out of vogue. But I want you to start preaching now. You say this preaching is out of vogue, but I want you to start preaching now. And what he gave me was a remembrance of a meeting I had with a pastor in Aberdeen. The pastor said to me, Pastor Mo, statistics have shown that you cannot bring people to Christ by preaching on the streets. It's out. People only go with people, you know, maybe a friend can invite you to a church event, that's the only way, you cannot preach to random strangers on the street and they follow you and give their lives to Christ and the Holy Spirit told me that's a bunch of lies I didn't tell the pastor that those statistics are lies he said to me, next tomorrow go and stand on the walking street in Edinburgh and I will send you people who will give their lives to Christ, I went on the streets of Edinburgh that day and I met a man from Hong Kong, he was coming to Scotland for the first time in his life and that day I led him to Christ. I met another lady from, from New York. I asked her whether you've ever heard the gospel. She said, no. She said, her mom is a weaker doctor. She's a witch doctor, her mom. And she has never been to church ever. And I said to her, have you heard the message of salvation? She said, I heard it once in a wedding. I said, can I lead you to Christ? She said, yes. I said to explain the gospel message to her. Within 20 minutes, I led her to Christ. When they told me that people don't give their lives to Christ on the street in the UK, it was a lie. Whatever men tell you about the statistics of other people is a lie. It's a lie. Preach. It's a lie. Stand up for God. They said it will end your job. Let the job end. What is, what is, what? Like, I'm not saying you should fall out of your job, but I'm just saying that there is the wisdom of God and the presence of God where God will activate things inside of you concerning someone. Some of you here this morning are receiving a commission to enter into the ministry of Jesus Christ, to reconcile men back to God. Our job is to rescue as many men and women as possible. Our task is to lead people back into the fold of God and no one will change except we pray over them. No one will change except we stand over them and build the word of 
God in their spirit. This is a word for someone. Preach. They've told you, you read that statistics show that people are no more giving their lives to Christ. That's a lie. I will lead you and I will show you where souls are and you'll restore many boys, many girls, many men, many women to glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 